So in our meditation, we we try to be present, which means that we are not. Otherwise, we would not uh, try to be present. And uh, the question may be: So where are we then? Where are we? For me, it seems always interesting. Sometimes there can be experience of presence, calmness, tranquility, clarity, which is of course very interesting and very good. But when when I'm confused and suddenly I realize where lies my confusion, I find I learn much more than just being clear. So at time when I can see through some confusion in my mind, I think I again some kind of freedom. Well sometimes just having a clear meditation and calm meditation doesn't bring this kind of freedom from uh, confusion that uh, I may be cultivating. So the question of where are we when we're absent seems to me very interesting. First we have to know where to look for ourselves when we're not present. So where is that that I am when I am not present? So sometimes in those talks we, we bring some element of precision and uh, I think that may help to, to see clearly it's not a vague way of being present but really to be in touch with reality to, to discover, to know what is reality. I remember reading um, a book, a biography of Stanislavski. I don't know if you know Stanislavski was the founder of the modern theatre, a Russian uh, theatre director, and uh, he was rehearsing far from Moscow in the countryside uh, with actors, and one evening they had, uh, they had a party with all the actors. And suddenly one peasant came in uh, through the door of the farmhouse, and another man was just behind him, also dressed as a peasant with felt hat and felt boots, and really like the, the peasants were, were dressed. And Stanislavski did not recognize immediately that it was Leo Tolstoy, but uh, suddenly realized. And the way he described him, it, it's so precise. It seems that he w- Stanislavski was so much there for this meeting that you can feel his way of being there, of being present. In the precision of his description, I'll just read a few lines of the, of the description that he gives. Say no photograph could convey the impression he made. How can an image of paper convey the eye that seemed to see right through you? They were sharp and piercing, then soft and sunny. When Tolstoy looked at anyone, he became very still, quiet. He went to the heart of the man and seemed to draw out all his inner secret, good and ill. So his description is very precise. And for me, it seemed that uh, I can feel he's not distracted, not thinking about anything else. He's just there for this meeting. So I think the, the precision in our practice, not that we, we force it, but we, we are really aware of what's happening, not in a vague sense of being present. You know, I'm, I'm not so distracted and I'm just vaguely present. We need something a bit more sharp in order to see through confusion.
So we may wonder, where are we when we are not uh, present? Of course, present is a world that is linked to its temporality, <coughs> and we may already guess that uh, maybe sometimes we are lost in the past and lost in the future. That one place where we can be lost. So that seems to be present exclude being lost in past and, and future. Past in memories, remembering. Anything from previous past or long, long ago, we can just remember or anticipating what will come in the future. And with that is not so difficult to recognize, I think. When we are lost in memory, sometimes it takes time. That uh, We enjoy it for some time, and suddenly you say, well, well, maybe I'm not just here to, to be lost in memory, but it's not, it's not a difficulty. And sometimes we are also lost in anticipating. You know, maybe something quite important, but also that is not difficult to recognize. And again, it may take time, because we are, we are really involved in this anticipation, but there is no, no difficulty. It's, it, that it's clear that it is not what's happening now. So in the sense, the past and the, the future are very clearly what is not happening now, that, that it does not, uh, does not pretend to be the reality. It does not this pretension. It does not the appearance of reality. If I remember something, I'm lost in memory, if I were to open my eyes, I would see yes, it has nothing to do with what's happening here. Even if I am anticipating, even next week, that may seem a bit similar. Still, if I open my eyes and I see that now I am here, what's happening now. So I think the past and future cannot <clears throat> be mistaken for the present experience, although sometimes we may get involved in those uh, memories. But as I mentioned already in certain inches of awareness, this anticipation of the future next week or next month or, or whatsoever, this is... Uh, very clear, but there is there is something uh, in the anticipation of the future much closer to the to the instant that may uh, be taken for what is actually happening. So when the the anticipation is just about what we're about to do, what is what is just that we are about to to make the step we are about to make or, or the move, and then this same to be the reality, yet it is not yet this reality. So this anticipation that we often are lost in, not recognizing <coughs> that the anticipation of something or the intention of doing something, it's happening when we are not yet doing it. The intention of, of getting up is happening when we are not yet up. <coughs> when we are up, we don't have the intention to get up. So... <coughs> We are mistaken this present situation and being sitting and suddenly there's intention to, to get up and then the present is, is um, veiled by this intention. There's this 
this future anticipation that does appear in the, in the present experience, which means that when we come to standing, we are always in the anticipation and not in the movement. We are not in this happening. We are already in the result of this happening. So for me, the, the intention is really a place where we can explore and where it does make a, a great difference with our way of being present. As I said, to, to see how I'm anticipating or thinking about next week or next month, okay, that's quite easy to recognize or last week, last month, last year. But uh, in any movement, in any situation, to recognize how the, the, the intention pushes outside of the present situation, that is um, nearly constantly at stake. And we are constantly a little bit ahead of ourselves. And then we wonder, how can I be present? Because we don't recognize that. We don't recognize we are ahead of ourselves. So to, to be aware of that in, in the intention, any movement, any transition, anything that we are doing, suddenly the, I think that makes the way that we can be present during the day much more natural. Otherwise, it seems that those intentions always sneak in, and we wonder why, why am I not more present? Why am I not more present? Even I don't have not so many thoughts. Why am I not so much present? Just because I don't see, I don't see this constant anticipation or intention that veil the present experience. So here we have to be lost in the future, very, very close to the experience, and that why it is more difficult to to recognize. So in our meditation, it is quite important to, to play with that in the sitting, in the walking, in transition, to start to explore. To come from sitting in a, our cushion or chair and to come to standing, that everything is revealed there. Or in the morning when you get up, it, it's so interesting, maybe, I don't know, you on the side or whatever, turning... So in this turning, we are already in the anticipation. We are not in the movement of turning. Not exactly where we are. We are already a little bit uh, ahead. And therefore, we can just get up and, and move. We are always ahead. And not exactly where we are. Now this way of being exactly where we are gives this sense of wholeness, completeness. We can feel this quality. Often in meditation, we may feel that it is not so much nourishing. I'm trying, we understand, and there's a expectation, there is hope that uh, there can be some deep satisfaction or fullness, but it can be stay as an expectation. It should come. It will come. It will come. So I, I keep on practicing. We know that we are all have a strong determination because we believe it will come. But uh, why is it not now? It's not, it's not because we, make, we are in a mistaken attitude for a long time that it will be a correct attitude. It doesn't work this way. Sometimes we believe, I keep on doing this, it doesn't work, but one day that will change. But it doesn't change as long as we keep on the same attitude. So one is this um, very um, 
short way of being in the future in the anticipation. While eating, of course, is a beautiful way to explore that. I mean, there's plenty of... Uh, to, to take a cup, you know, I'm reaching out for my cup. It's already in my hand before I, I start to move my hand, you know. Can I just be where my hand is? And it's not yet touching the cut, uh, cup as long as it does not touch it. You know? And maybe I change my mind. Uh, usually we cannot change our mind, it's too fast. Then maybe I still, no, I will wait, but we cannot stop in the middle because <clears throat> there this this way of, of, in a sense, jumping to, jumping to the situation, jumping to be up, or jumping from our chair to be, to be standing. And I really think that uh, if we start to be aware of that, during our day to be present in the transition, even in the sitting, it starts to become much more natural because we start to see very clearly what was pushing us outside of, of the present experience. Now, to be present is also opposed that to be absent, you know. And absent is... Now I'm not dealing so much in notion of time, but absent means to be out of. Absent is to be out of. But out of what? If I am absent, I'm out of what? You know? When we go and see somebody, he's absent, he's out of office. You know? But uh, here we're dealing, dealing with ourselves. So out of what are we when we're absent? Okay? Out of ourselves. But what does it mean? Out of oneself is can be out of one body, so to speak. And we just explore now this anticipation that make we are not in the movement of the body, we are we are out. So there is one way to to be not connected, not to be fully there where we are in this uh, presence of the body. But there are also other ways that we are mistaken. We are not present because we are connected with um, an image of ourselves, not with ourselves. Then it's very difficult. We feel there's something lacking just because I am resting, holding on to an image of myself and then is not alive because an image of myself is not myself. So to be out of oneself is also to be in an abstraction of oneself rather than being in oneself. How we, we can expand that if we come in the morning or any sitting, we come and, and sit down, as I've mentioned, and then we have this image of ourselves sitting. And from that, holding on to that, we want to develop our meditation. But this image of sitting, which seems to be able to, to last for the whole of the sitting, this image, that is just an abstraction, it's not ourself. If I were to question this image, I would say, well, from where do I see it? You know, Do I see it completely? Or from this side, from that side? It's very difficult to know where, from where are we seeing our own image. 
also from the back and from the front, nobody can see that, you know, so it, it's very strange. So when we have this, this image that seems to be stable, that does not change. This image can last for the whole of the sitting, we can hold on to that, but it is not alive. Then when we hold on to that uh, strongly, and often we do that because it's stable, it, the way that we hope to be present. I'm holding to this image of myself and uh, believing that the way I'm not lost in past and future. It's a nice way to be present. But then, at this time, something is not alive. I, I don't feel it. And my, I may even try to feel breathing very clearly in that, but it's not so easy because uh, this uh, abstract representation of myself veils the feeling of the body. It's, it's weaker. So to, to realize how we cling to this representation, and it's very clear, it gives a sense of duration. If our sitting has a sense of duration, our standing has a sense of duration, it can only be through a representation. Because sitting is going on every instant. The previous instant is gone, the next instant is not there. It's just going on every instant. So if I feel that while well, I've been sitting for 10 minutes, well, that doesn't work. You know? It just means that I have an image, a, a concept, a representation of that. Same for standing or when walking. So I'm just standing before walking. I may hold on to this image of I'm standing. But standing is going on every instant. It's just changing, changing. I cannot hold on to that. It's something alive. And if I don't cling to this representation of myself standing, I see there's a continuity from standing to walking because the process which is alive is not there's this stiffness of standing and suddenly there's a bridge and then there's walking. It's just a process which is alive and standing alive with all the movement in the body and then it, there's walking and then there's stopping but still is alive and there is turning which is alive. So at no, at no instant can we make a pause with life, you know. We don't have the computer say, so well, I, I make a pause and I make a cup of tea, you know. That's not possible. It's just going on every instant. And we believe that we can make this pause, either sitting or standing or doing anything like that. In the, in the Dhammapada, he said, let go of the past, let go of the future, let go of the present, so we may wonder, so what are we going to be left with? You know? <laughs> let go of the past, let go of the future, let go of, of the present. So which means, or the question can be, can I be not lost in past, not lost in future, and not be present? Is it possible? Where can I hide if it is not in the past or in the future? Is there still some place I can hide not to be present? And we can wonder. So that we need to let, to let go of the present. So one, one way to understand uh, the let go of the present 
is this representation of ourselves sitting and standing. Let go of the present, let go of any way you want to grasp at the present, because that's not the present experience. So one way to understand is let go of any notion that you can make, any belief that you can hold on to anything. Think that's it. So in this sense, uh, the representation of myself sitting or standing, I could say that is to be disconnected with my body because I'm connected with, with an image rather than with a body. We may wonder, would it be possible also to be outside of one's mind? To be outside of one's mind, would it be possible? And what would it mean? You know? Not just in a general sense, he's out of his mind or she's out of a her mind as being being lost in some kind of uh, fantasy or something like that. But what would to be out of one's mind mean, if it could mean anything? So we would know again where to look for it. You know? Of course, our mind is always there. You know, as long as we're alive, it's there. A bit less there when we are sleeping. But you know, no need to bother with that. So what would it mean to be out of one's mind or to have this distance of confusion about, uh, about the mind? So any, at any instant, except when we are deeply sleeping, at any instant there is there's an experience arising. Some experience, hearing and seeing and thoughts and emotions and feeling sensations. There is always something happening. And in a sense that how we know that we are alive? Because something is happening. If nothing would happen, even not just a, a clear presence, you know, if nothing would happen, then how would we know that we are alive? So there is always something happening. Hearing, seeing, and I mean, sounds, and uh, shape and colors, and many experience or tasting something. So any ex- any time there is an experience arising, but we also know that there is something happening. If we did not know that something is happening, there will be just seeing, tasting, and so on. If we were not to know that something is happening, then how would we know that we are alive? So at the same time, there's one experience arising, seeing, hearing something, and at the same time, there's the know, we know that something is happening, we know that we are hearing something, we know that we are tasting something, we know that we are feeling some bodily sensation. If not, again, how would we know that we are alive? It's like, a, I don't know, a camera that can film and record, but it doesn't know that it is filming and recording. But we, we are aware, so there is, with any experience whatsoever, there is this awareness that we are aware of something. So we are aware that something is happening, we are aware that things is happening, we are aware that uh, tasting or anything is happening. And this awareness of our own consciousness is that we call presence. Presence is to be aware not of uh, the bird on the branch or the leaves of the tree, Presence is to be aware of ourselves in this experience, ourselves in the sense of consciousness. 
So that what what it means to be present is not something so so strange. So presence is not an experience. Experience of quietness, of brightness, of tranquility. Presence is this awareness that when we're aware that something is happening, aware of our own mind as experiencing something. And it does not depend on the experience. We can be present with any experience. Again, maybe not deep sleep, although some people seem to be able to do that. So it doesn't mean that we need to believe that we can be present only with some kind of experience and not with some other. Like if I were distracted, I feel I'm lost, we'll see where I was lost, but uh, in the dining hall suddenly I, I was lost in the past, so to speak, and then now I want to be present, so I just come back to breathing. As if breathing was the only place to be present. There's something so strange. So strange. I already mentioned the other day in a group, I was with a meeting of teachers waiting for a monk to come in a nice big room and there were armchair and people were waiting there for the monk to come. And the way they were waiting was with closed eyes, you know. As if to be present one need a specific position and close one eye because one cannot be present with open eyes and one need to be aware of breathing. I mean, if we are not aware, I think that as a meditator we start to have some strange beliefs, very strange beliefs. <laughs> and I think that's so, so interesting. I can be, let's say, I'm in the dining hall and suddenly I'm, you know, gazing out like that spacing out, so to speak, and then I realize, so now I don't need to come to anything else. I say, oh, can I be present in that? Yes, I can be fully present in this vague perception. Yes, I can be fully there. So the challenge is not, should I come back to something to be present? Is where I am in this instant, any experience, where is it that I am? Now, again, the sleepiness, some, some kind of daydream, if I realize that, if I'm lost, I'm lost, but the moment I realize that the challenge, what is so interesting is, so where I am in this situation, which means, can I be conscious of the conscious of what's happening? And then we can discover that we can be present with any experience. No one has the capacity to take our presence away, because there is always awareness, consciousness. So to explore this challenge, where I am, where I am lost, at this instant where I realize that, then we can discover something very important, this nature of this awareness of the, of the present consciousness. In sleepiness, for example, it's so interesting. One may believe sleepiness is an obstacle, so well, too bad, the sleepiness, I could be present only if I were not so sleepy. You know? So I may open my eyes, I may do many things, that's fine, and no problem. But then I miss the opportunity to really understand what it is, what is sleepiness and what is consciousness. If rather I would explore, but so what is this quality of sleepiness? And I can see within sleepiness, there is an awareness of consciousness being sleepy. And this, this is not 
sleepy. This is not dull, this is very bright, it is clear. So the presence is not dull in sleepiness. But if I identify with sleepiness, then I feel sleepy, then I am dull, then I am not present. But it's not the fault of sleepiness. It is because I don't know how to deal or to relate to that. Now I know sleepiness comes in the list of obstacles. Well, tranquility, calm, joy does not come in the list of obstacles. But they can be as much obstacles. If I am identifying with calm, I am so calm, this is veiling my consciousness, this is veiling my presence. I am just in a calm state, I am in a tranquil state, I am in a joyful state. I am as little present as in sleepiness. Just I don't complain because it's nice. I can complain with sleepiness, but there, you know, who said, well, you know, I have so much joy and tranquility, you know, what should I do with that? Usually it does not happen like that. But the, the confusion is the same. Confusion is the same. So that's why when there is sleepiness or tiredness in the evening, if we start to explore and we discover that we can be present at this time, this is so amazing because it shows us that we can be present through joy, tranquility, anxiety, sadness, through anything, because it's exactly the same way that we can be present in those mental states or in emotions. It's the same way. So we are, when we are lost, in, uh, it is because in the experience, as I said, we are aware of being aware of something. You know, I hear the, the bird on the tree, but I am aware of hearing. But if all my attention is in the birds, because I don't know, I, I want to know where it is, at this sense, all my energy is in the content of the experience, all my energy in the, in the sound of the bird, and there, at this time, my awareness of being conscious of something is very weak. Yeah. If somebody would come to me and say, what are you doing? You know, I said, uh, oh, I'm, I'm here as a bird, you know. So sometimes we are fascinated and we are lost in the content. Here is a bird, but when we are lost in memory, lost in anticipation, it's exactly the same. We don't leave the whole to be in the past. You see all those people leaving the door, and going, I don't know, this is past door, this is a future door, you know. Wow, so many people go there. No, we, we are just lost in the content. In my mind, there is, there is memories, and then at the time I realize, oh, they, I'm just remembering, and I can see that I can be aware of this consciousness of memories. They am fully present. So it's not that we can be lost in future and past. Future and past are just two ways to be lost in the content, specific contents, contents of the past, contents in future, which are happening now, and I can be lost also in the contents of analyzing my experience now. So well, that's a good experience, or that's better than last time, or oh yes, that's really going on, I'm deepening my practice, or it's not going on well, and so on. So at this time, I can be lost in this evaluation of my practice, judgment of my practice. So I'm lost in the contents exactly the same way as I'm lost in contents which refer to the past or to the future. There is no other way to be lost just in the content of 
our experience, or we are aware that we're experiencing something, or we are lost in the content. There is no other place for us to be lost. And we see it's already, it's powerful enough. I mean, uh, we don't need more place to be lost, you know. So that, that's quite, uh, quite strong. So to come again to, to sleepiness, so what's happening there? There is the appearance of, of dullness, isn't something that is not so clear, not so bright. But when we identify with that, it means that I am sleepy or the mind is so dull. And at this time, the mind takes itself to be dull. I mentioned the other day this uh, window that we are looking in the, in the city through, and that the window, um, there is reflection in the window, and the win- window takes itself to be the reflection, takes itself to be the person looking at it, takes itself to be the car going by. You know? So if the window takes itself to be this appearance of sleepiness, then it is sleepy, them are sleepy. But if the window, which is consciousness, realize that this dullness is just the way something appears in this reflection, in this window, then I am fully present. And I think that, uh, for me, that's really a beautiful way to start to understand or to deepen the practice of meditation. Because we understand the relationship between contents and, and awareness. And it's not so dramatic, so we can explore that. When there are deep emotion is maybe more difficult, you know, there's deep anxiety, it's not so easy to, to explore that it's just the, the way that uh, reflection in the mind. So sleepiness or tiredness in the evening is the same. You know? If I identify with this tiredness, it's physical tiredness and mental tiredness, then I'm tired, so I just say, well, I'll stay five minutes more, five minutes more, but uh, then I'm really tired. But if I see it's just, just also the content of my mind there, but my mind is not um, affected by that, it's just a reflection, it's a reflection not being separated, then it's not a problem. That's fine, I can deal with that, uh, the way it appears, but the consciousness or awareness is very clear in this situation. So we are lost in the, in the content, that's the only way. There's always a mind, and something is being known, and we are lost in taking ourselves for what is being known, rather than being the, the knowing experience. It's very simple, but not so easy to recognize, because we, we are so used to, to this identification. So as I mentioned, for, for sitting, holding to an image of sitting or standing, we usually, as soon as there is an experience, we make an interpretation of the experience. And this interpretation is always a generalization of the experience. We, we go from the, the specificity of this experience that is uncommon, that is that you cannot compare to any other experience. This singularity of this experience, we immediately make it into something general. <clears throat> and that's the way we can transmit 
information. That's the way knowledge works. Knowledge is a transformation of a singular experience into a general sense, general meaning. Because general meaning is what language is about and what we can transmit. You know? If now I have a, uh, an experience, maybe very intense sensation, it's pain. So it's pain, now pain this, this stays. And I can say, well, I had pain. No? Okay, I understand. But the, the experience itself, uh, in this singularity that is, cannot be compared to anything, it's just in this instant, what is it I'm experiencing? Sensation, deep sensation. I mean, I put word on that, but before any word, there is a, there's an experience, and then immediately I transform this experience into a knowledge. And knowledge is generalization, that what can be transmitted. So we are lost in knowledge and not in awareness. The way we are lost is to be in knowledge, not in awareness. And that's that. Uh, what the meditation is about is about staying with awareness of something before we transform it into knowledge. Marcy said to express that very well. He said, uh, we, are, we are meditating on, he called that the empirical experience, singular experience, not the conceptual one. So it's very clear. In this, we are meditating on the singularity, on this experience at this time of arising not on the conceptualization of that. Which means that we, we stay with the intimacy of every experience. If I call pain this sensation that I have, that's fine. Certainly something that can arise, but then, then I just let go of this notion of pain. But what is the sensation itself? And then suddenly I may discover how I am experiencing that, um, I don't know, vibration or, or heat or something like that, I give name there, but in, in the experiencing, we don't uh, cling to those um, words. So the, the conceptualization is an abstraction, generalization, you know, like, like a tree. A tree can be in so many sizes, can be so many shapes, a tree is so, so vast, you know. Not to speak about dog, imagine you have dog like that big and that big and any kind of colors and they all can be called dog, you know. Generalization, if you say, I saw a dog, okay, he saw a dog or she saw a dog, but we don't know actually what was the experience. We don't know. So when we, we switch into the conceptualization, we come to an abstract thing and this abstract is superficial, it's not the experience then we feel that in our life something is lacking because we live in an abstraction of our life, not in our life, in, in the experience itself of life. We immediately transform our experience into knowledge. And knowledge, of course, is that which already relates to the past. So any experience, immediately we experience it as if it was already a past experience. So, so through this conceptualization, interpretation of any experience, it's like if we were living our present life as if it was already a memory. So we live our life, we, we remember our life even in the present, and, uh, rather than living it. And then it's superficial. So what we discover through our meditation is that as we can just 
We don't need to fight against those conceptualizations, but we don't want to, to rely on that. We just want to, to go beyond that, or underneath, or whatever, just to feel what's experienced. What is it being experienced? You know? The hearing of the bird rather than the interpretation, or oh, there should be a bird somewhere. So how am I experiencing that? Or the tasting of, of the food? Or the sensation, the presence of the body sitting? Awoking, this richness of suddenly not being connected with one's body through a representation, but being in a direct relationship. There's no, no mediator between our body and ourselves. We just experience it directly. And suddenly we feel there's some fulfillment there. Deep sense of, uh, of satisfaction, of being fully here. So no confusion between the interpretation, conceptualization, and the experience itself. Which means, in our, in our practice, is just to stay as close as we can to the experience. If I come to the example of, of hearing the, the bird on the branch, so it's not that I'm going to say, well, I should not stay in the abstraction, and so where do I... What do I relate to? Not to the abstraction. What should I do? You know. <laughs> Before I, I, I could Let's hear go. the bird, but now I don't know how to hear anything anymore. <laughs> so well, I wonder if this meditation is so good. You know. <laughs> I think it's good. So I think the attitude is maybe not exactly that. So in this sense, hearing the bird on the tree. So. Okay, the bird on the tree, that's my interpretation. But what is the experience of hearing? I've gone close to, and suddenly I really pay attention to the, the richness of the hearing experience. I open myself to the richness of this experience, and then find it so, it's so fascinating. Just the richness of this changing experience of hearing a sound. So I'm not put away anything, I just stay... Close, closely in the experience itself. Same with the sensation. I can have a, you know, the image of the, my knee that is painful, that's fine, and then, okay, but what is the sensation? And then suddenly I start to feel and to be in a direct experience. The body is experiencing itself, and I find, find there is something very fulfilling there, you know, this reconnection with myself. So again, it's not that I need to to do something difficult, complicated. On the contrary, I come to something more simple, to more innocence in the experience itself. It's true, first we, we meet the complexity because we are used to that and we need that. We need this interpretation in order to function. That's not a mistake. But we want to expand something deeper, the, the nature of our own reality, not the interpretation that we can deal with. And in this exploring, the nature of our reality, we, of course, we, we meet ourselves and develop a deep um, wisdom about what we are, just to see, to experience what we are. In, in one sutra, when I teach about that, and I think there is not so many sutras that are explaining this attitude of just being so simple with the experience. I think the Satipatthana Sutra is, is more general, it's not this precision. So this, in this sutra, the Buddha 
speak to his monks and he said, well, whatever in this universe, the people know, they taste, they experience, that I do know, I experience. Uh, meaning that uh, don't believe I am deficient, you know. So there is no, no experience that um, you know, I am cut from. Uh, hearing, tasting, thinking, all the priests and uh, the gods and uh, that also I can experience. But he said, uh, but while seeing, while seeing in this experience, I don't create a scene to be seen and a seer. So not a scene, something to be seen, which is the interpretation, seen or something that needs to be seen, or a seer, I see. While hearing, I don't create a hearing, a heard, to be heard, hearer. So for the five senses, you see, I, he does not create this separation of a, a, a perceiver and something perceived. He just stays there while smelling, one sensing, bodily sensation, he does not also create uh, something to be sensed, neither an experiencer, an experiencer separate from the experiencing itself, while thinking in the same way, does not create a thought or to be thought or an idea, and a thinker, this is just the experience of a thought arising, a thinking arising. And he said there, when... Uh, while seeing, they will be just seeing. While hearing, they will be just hearing. While thinking, they will be just thinking. That's the end of confusion. And that's freedom. So you describe it in a very simple way. Not that we need to be complicated, but not aiming at anything special, just in each experience, uh, being interested to discover how can I be open to experience without wanting to, to interpret it and to, to make a concept of it and to hold on to it. And this way, of, while seeing, just, just seeing, while hearing, just hearing, and so on, is, is a way of non-grasping. That's what non-grasping means. It means just to be with the experience. Grasping means to interpret, to make a concept, to hold on to it. So in, the, in this way, we are just... Uh, realizing the nature, nature of our life, nature of our world, because we don't make any construction. Just give you a, a quotation from a, a Tibetan Lama, a great uh, teacher of meditation. He said, in meditation we simply allow our mind to rest in the present moment, to be present in the ungraspable now that is neither the past nor the future. The present moment cannot be grasped by the intellect. It is not an object of intellectual understanding and cannot be described. So we get to the simplicity of the experience. And then everything is revealed in the simplicity of this experience. So I think from from that sutra and this quotation from this uh, lama, we, we can sense that um, our meditation is about whatever is happening and just to stay as close as we can. Any experience at any time, we can just stay with that and just being experiencing it without making any construction, which of course need to be open to experience what's happening. But it's not that we need to look for 
specific experience. Uh, one of the big problems I think in our meditation is we mistake experience for meditation. And we are looking for calmness, tranquility, joy, pleasant experience, and trying to get rid of confusion, sleepiness, because we believe that what is at stake. That's not what is at stake. What is at stake is, can we stay clear in any of those experiences? Then we are not depending on any mental state or experience. Then we can discover whatever is the, the nature of sleepiness, and sadness, anxiety, joy, tranquility, calmness. So not confusing interpretation, the concept, and the direct experience itself. We hide in the interpretation, and we are present in the direct experience. Okay, that's what I wanted to transmit tonight, just to encourage you to stay in the simplicity of the experience. That nothing needs to, to be done. Now it is true, when one is too, too scattered, or one can always come to the anchoring place. There's no problem with that. If I stay with breathing, I stay with anything. Because I can also discover. If I don't hold to breathing process through a concept, but just experiencing it, anything, hearing any experience. So it doesn't mean that at time we cannot take an anchoring place just to settle the mind. It's not a, a contradiction. But it doesn't mean that it is only that. It doesn't mean that we need to go through that or what. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.